everyone and welcome to tonight's MHTV. Tonight we are talking about mental health injustice. So um, slightly different one for me as I'm here with some of my colleagues tonight. I'm going to go around in a minute and introduce uh, my colleagues here and um, we'll tell you a little bit about what we've got in store. But first I'll go over to Nikki who will tell you how you can join in on social media. Okay, Nikki. Hello. Hello and welcome. We're really pleased to have you with us tonight. And as ever, we really want to hear what you think. And if you've got any questions, um, please, please ask. So um, the way to join in, if you're watching on Facebook Live, is obviously just to write in the messages underneath and we'll see that. Um, and if you are sort of tweeting or getting engaged in that way, if you follow the hashtag MHTV, we'll be looking out for your questions and your and comments. So thank you very much. Back to you, Vanessa. Thank you. So yeah, just to say tonight's um, tonight's MHTV is linked to um, a conference that we've got planned on February the 20th in London, which is MH Injustice. Um, so I'm here tonight with um, some of my colleagues and guests who are involved in the organisation of the conference, which is basically a collaboration across several health injustice organisations. So I'm going to go over to each of my guests now who will hopefully say a little bit about themselves and um and the work that they're doing in health and justice so jonathan i'm going to come over to you first because you're first on my screen well good evening everybody um and uh, thanks for the the introduction I'm really pleased to be here today um so my name is jonathan stephen uh, i'm the senior service lead for health and justice and i work in the specialist division within barna enfield and the harrogate mental health trust i've been in my role for about four years um and my background is nursing um, as a profession, uh, qualified as a nurse in 1998. Uh, and I've worked across um, lots of different sorts of services, all mental health, uh, covering all age ranges, adult acute, inpatient, PICU, CAMS, um, IAPTS. Um, and the majority of my work has been involved with um, working with other partners. And I think that's the most enjoyable part of my work is is actually working with systems, working with other providers, working with commissioners. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed the challenges and also the rewards from, um, from those experiences. Um, in the last four years, the focus has obviously moved now towards the health and justice uh, pathways. Uh, and I've been really privileged um, to, to, to have a role within BEH, within the specialist division. Specialist division, um, um, you know, provides forensic services, inpatient care, um, as well as, you know, really specialist um, outpatient provision, um, and also the health and justice stuff that I, I oversee. So I'm the operational lead, and I try and do my best to support the clinicians um, on the ground, um, optimise our partnerships, um, you know, with uh, other providers, um, and for us, you know, one really important provider is PPG. Uh, they're, our, they're our lead provider in our London prisons, um, um, where we are, you know, making really good headway on uh, on transforming the design of our services based on historical learning. Um, so it's been <clears throat> it's been a very busy year. The last one, um, we we've redesigned the services and we're now in the implementation stage. Um, it's a really exciting time, and we're really optimistic that the the services that we're being supported to create and change. Um, are really well supported by both commissioning, by prisons, uh, and all our, all other sort of agencies within prison settings, and and with our lead provider PPG. 
Um, it's not without its challenges, but um, you know, it, it it's a very worthwhile endeavor. endeavor. Um, uh, additionally, beyond prisons, and I, I also cover other parts of health and justice um, that I have uh, operational responsibility for. Um, they connect into prisons um, to to some extent. Um, obviously, liaison diversion services. We work in courts and uh, um, police custody suites um, across North London. And we have some really highly specialist um, liaison diversion services, again, uh, hosted and, uh, by policing. Um, and um, the, there are a number of these that they, they look to support people with mental health needs, maybe coming into contact um, with the criminal justice system. Um, and we look to try and divert vulnerable people um, so that they can get support. Uh, in a more timely way, and, and it may be people who haven't been picked up before, and maybe people who have, um, you know, maybe particular stalking behaviours, we have a stalking threat assessment service, again, an integrated service with the Susie Lamplew Trust, um, with the Metropolitan Police, um, and ourselves, and then we have the Fixated Threat Assessment Centre, um, and uh, again, that's um, working with policing um, to try and divert people who are maybe form um, unhealthy attachments um, and beliefs um, towards you know, high-profile uh, politicians or the royal family. And we, we're trying to counter vulnerability, um, essentially, and get people the help they need before maybe they inadvertently get into, in, into trouble or they've already coming into contact and maybe heading in that direction. Um, so yeah, absolute privilege to work in mental health in, a, in the NHS and um, you know, within these partnership contexts. So I'm really looking forward to the discussion tonight. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating journey as well into where the services and where you are now as well. And um, that leads me nicely into um, into Dawn, actually. Dawn, do you want to introduce yourself next? And yeah, say thanks. Yourself? Thanks, Vanessa. Good evening, everyone. My name's Dawn Jessup. So I'm the Deputy Service Director for Practice Plus Group. Uh, and that's our Health and Justice Directorate. So... Um, I'll say a little bit about that and then a little bit about myself. So the health and justice side of things, we've got, we deliver healthcare into quite a few prisons across the country, and that's a variety of uh, aspects of healthcare. So we deliver mental health, we deliver uh, substance misuse, GP services, primary care, healthcare, um, and, and that's kind of divided up into different, different ways of delivery. And as Jonathan's alluded to, some of that is with partnerships. So we are in partnership with uh, Jonathan's Trust within the London prisons. We're in partnerships with um, Sue, who we'll, we'll come on to later around some of our other areas, such as the Midlands. And that's around mental health and substance misuse. We give a really kind of mixed uh, shared care, integrated care system into prisons across the UK. I think um, a bit about my background. I'm a mental health nurse. I actually trained with Vanessa so yeah. many oh, wow. years ago yeah. qualified in 95 so uh, slightly before you Jonathan yeah uh, I know I thought that too yeah so, the 1990s yeah yeah a long time ago I think you know I started my career in forensic mental health actually um in various kind of you know crisis and rehabilitation and then moved into I could see the kind of integration of patient needs so I moved into um substance misuse in the community after that because you know to try and kind of understand the system that patients were trying to navigate and all the complexity around patients so 
I spent quite a few years um, in community drug services, working with DTTOs, um, Leeds Addiction Unit when it was there, uh, and then moved into, I suppose probably accidentally moved into prisons. Uh, it seemed like the natural next steps, given that we were working with a lot of vulnerable people who were on that criminal justice uh, pathway. And um, and then going into prisons, probably as a head of healthcare, really opened my eyes into the opportunity that prison can present for healthcare for prisons, for you know, for patients going into prison. It's it's kind of uniquely placed, really, to provide a wraparound service for people, um, and lots you know, lots of vulnerability people that maybe won't access healthcare into the in the community, and then come into prison. So, I think you know that really felt worthwhile to me. So I've kind of kind of continued within this sector um, and you know worked in police custody services as well as part of that ongoing pathway uh, police custody healthcare, and you know continued into prisons and now into the role that I'm currently in and I think like Jonathan said the role I'm currently in is working a lot with our partners and how we can try and not just give a kind of offering of healthcare to patients but how can we transform services so that we can really help patients get to the next stage and hopefully move on past prison to thrive and flourish once they leave so I think that's you know we're on the same page with that we're kind of trying to optimize opportunities for people to really flourish and um, you know lead fulfilling lives post-prison so that's that's me really Vanessa yeah that's Thank great you. So, some quite similar themes there as well really mm. yeah and Definitely. then yeah Sue um, would you like to introduce yourselves yourself thanks thanks Vanessa hello everyone good evening so I'm I'm Sue Parks I'm the regional lead for Midlands Partnership Foundation Trust Inclusion Mental Health and Substance Misuse Services so I lead the Mental Health and Substance Misuse Services for the West Midlands which includes 10 prisons um, I've equally been with the service now for just probably just over three years um, and again, as, as Jonathan said, I'm really privileged to be involved in in this service because it's for me it's it's an opportunity to really give an opportunity to, to, to give that support to people who really are at that point of need and probably the most vulnerable and needy and, and have the most number of complexities that 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 we experience in healthcare. So it's it's a great privilege to be involved in in this in this service. Um, so, so in terms of where I've been, obviously you all talked about your your starting date. So mine slightly is above yours at 1990. So, <laughs> so that's that's when I qualified. So and I've worked across the West Midlands in various roles in, in mental health and substance misuse services. Um, and again, I was very lucky to to work in um, Wolverhampton at, in the uh, late 90s. Uh, and that was to develop all of the mental health and substance misuse co-occurring needs services, both for alcohol, criminal justice services, working again in police custody suites, um, and equally working at Leeds Addiction Unit as well, Dawn, actually. And that yeah. was with... That... Them. Sorry, Vanessa. I used to be connected with them as well, work-wise. So oh, so yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh, and that and that was a real privilege because that was um probably one of the highlights of my career actually working with the um UK alcohol treatment trial, which um was was working with some wonderful colleagues across the country, Gillian Tober being one of them. So so I was very lucky to be involved in that and then moved on back to mental health actually to implement the national service framework when that first was implemented um in Staffordshire. 
And then from that, um, uh, other various jobs, particularly then going back to the substance misuse field and developing the drug intervention programme, which again had a very criminal justice um, theme in terms of ensuring that people were supported from custodial settings to community appointments and so forth. And then latterly, prior to coming back to back to, um, to, to this service, I was actually leading the transformation programme for Staffordshire and Stoke for mental health. So in terms of that transformation and that real understanding of where um, the, the, the developments are required and innovation is, it's a great, um, that was a great experience that I can then, you know, obviously um, transfer into our services, particularly in light of our recent new award for um, Staffordshire and also for the Isle of Wight in terms of ensuring that we have some parity with what a community offer looks like. So, so yes, I'm very, very um, happy to be here and really interested in, in talking about the conference intersectionality and what mental health um, as, as best practice looks like within a custodial setting. So thank you, Vanessa. Brilliant. Thank you all. It's great to have so much experience on the call, isn't it, Nikki, tonight? And, um, and what strikes me is everyone's connected with that same interest in yeah. working with people who are vulnerable and who are at the most complex end of the system and I guess similar to Jonathan in a way I didn't always work in health and justice I've always worked in the sort of acute end of mental health and I've always been passionate about um social justice and inequality and um I ended up working in health and justice through dawn actually by by chance really and what struck me as soon as I I worked in the area was I should have worked in this area throughout my whole career really because it offered everything that I was interested in and passionate about mm. and that offered to work with people at the most vulnerable and in a much less sort of medical model much more psychological yes. holistic yes. kind of way so I think we've all kind of said that really in a different way tonight and um, and I guess it leads me on to my first thought which is around you know how do we change perception because I think for people who've never worked in health and justice this is perception that it's dangerous and that um, you know, it's it's a violent place to work. And actually, yes, of course, you know, there there is some violence and aggression, just like there is in any other area of mental health and society generally. But um, that isn't what health and justice is about. And actually, most of our pe the people we work with are really vulnerable, aren't they? So I wondered if you all had any thoughts about that. Yeah, can I um can I come in there? I I, I think um having come from you know secondary care um services traditionally and moving into specialist services i i, I thought mm, our prison's going to be you know really dangerous and scary places um and it's still a memory for me going into you know a prison setting for the first time and uh walking into in, into pentonville and thinking oh gosh what, what you know what am, what am i letting myself in for but yeah. um Having run the services for, for you know, with Christ for four years, what what I what I see is a far lower rate of of um, violence and assault on, on on our workforce than I saw in previous service areas, and um, particularly inpatient acute, it, it, it's not comparable um, the levels of violence and um, distress. Now it doesn't yeah. mean it's not a it it doesn't bring its challenges as an environment. There are constraints on how we can work effectively, but those are things we're working with. You know, there is a regime in a prison that we have to work with, um, yeah. and that that brings some limitations around how we work. Um, but I, you know, the, the I think the gratitude that we see from um, service users who we provide care yeah. to is 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 really evident. And um, you know, I 
it's a very rewarding place to work and the team spirit that we we have there especially when we're integrating well with prison colleagues with other parts of healthcare um you know we're we're planning people's releases into the community effectively um supporting people maybe to be you know referred for a hospital assessment um you know welcoming people back from hospital assessment into prison settings um you know really creating a, a therapeutic space for individuals who have um you know really complicated histories and you know we are talking about a, a population group which is quite different to a traditional you know secondary mental health care group where people have their own history of multiple and complex deprivation um, and yet these individuals are still coming into a prison where there's further traumatization. Um, so, I, you know, I think we're, we're uniquely placed. Um, we, we have a fantastic workforce, um, brilliantly skilled, talented, motivated, compassionate. And, and you know, the, our workforce really wants to transform the offer, you know, change the culture, work with, you know, the, the other partners work with the prison establishments um, and we have secured you know full commitment to change how we work um in, you know in, in our prison establishments um and i, th I think we're, we're right on the cusp of seeing something really significant change um ahead of ahead you know with a, with the, the our new model being brought into place um so yeah i think i think uh, for people that, um, who are watching and, and you may have a curiosity about coming into a prison setting, come and, come and visit, come and see our services and maybe we can dispel some of the myths um, and we'd really welcome your interest. Um, we, we've got lots of fantastic new roles, um, you know, psychology posts, therapy posts, uh, speech and language uh, therapy posts, nursing roles, where we, we've had additional generous reinvestment, um, you know, for our prisons over the, over the coming years and where really keen to to get people on board so uh yeah um i've just turned that into a little recruitment um, <laughs> little recruitment speech now I'll I'll, I'll 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 stop there but it, it is but i think it is a great opportunity as you're saying for people as well who even for people who don't necessarily want to work in health and justice to actually come into a prison and see what it's like because you know even working in the community people you're going to be working with people who who come into contact with the criminal justice system and when I look back to when I worked in in acute wards and of course you know worked with the police and worked with the criminal justice system but I'd never visited a prison I didn't really understand that part of a person's experience so I think um you know I think just visiting a prison as well and understanding um the prison environment is really helpful for for people working in mental health as well yeah yeah Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Dawn. I was going to say there is an opportunity as well. I mean, um, you know, talk about what Jonathan was saying. There's an opportunity, I think, for nurses and, and student nurses particularly. It's a really good place to come and do a placement. And, um, you know, the variety of experience that you can kind of experience through that pathway is a really <coughs> enriching experience, I think, for students. So if you are kind of listening and, you, and you're curious, then a, a student placement is a really good place to start as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about the kind of perception of violent at risk with prisons as yeah. well. Um, and having worked in community services where you actually do come across probably people that you haven't got previous knowledge of, uh, yes. as Jonathan said, sometimes the risk is higher in the areas 
that you wouldn't expect it to be in the community because you do meet people that you know you have no prior knowledge of their their past experience or history whereas in prison people come in and you do usually get some information about them and can work with them on on some of their you know um issues as they come through the reception i think the other thing to say around that is that prisons are moving towards trauma-informed working as a whole system approach and i think it's probably a really uh, important fact that if you're dealing with people you know that are traumatized coming into prison and uh, have have levels of trauma trying to increase trauma-informed um interventions both from healthcare staff but also from prison staff is actually acknowledged and and lots of prisons are now trying to move forward with that as an agenda to try and reduce risk you know to de-traumatize people rather than re-traumatize people when they're actually in prison so so there is a big general move towards trauma-informed care which I think is really welcomed by healthcare services and by prison services as well because obviously that gives people tools to to work in a different way as well with with some more vulnerable people yeah yeah I think we'll come back to the trauma-informed um, care as well in a minute and um, so did you want to come in at this point yes I was I was going to um to add that I think that you know that the, the the mystique if you like around working in prison is 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 it should be absolutely um, clear that that we are working with people who would have been in the community and who are going back to communities um and we're actually in and again we're working with people who, who are people that are on a, a journey and, and and ended up within a criminal the criminal justice sector so so i when i was um leading mental health services 20 years ago um when prison mental health services became a new entity, I was asking colleagues if they had an interest to, to come and work in a prison. And it's a challenge to actually identify people because of, you know, as I say, the mystique, et cetera. So, so I said, well, I'll go, I'll go and make a start. So, so I went in myself <laughs> and <laughs> so I was working. So it's 21 years ago now, actually. So I was working in, in Dovegate prison um, probably the first mental health nurse in in the area to, to do that, um, and, and actually it was great. I ended up staying actually doing a clinic um, an afternoon for two years. So, but obviously with that, you know, colleagues were encouraged to come in, shadow me, and and we kind of developed that that cohort of nurses who were and, and other colleagues who were interested. But in terms of the violence and fear factor, I think you know talking to colleagues who worked in the system for a long time. That they would absolutely agree that 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 isn't that isn't a worry that isn't a fear, and as I said earlier, it's it's a great opportunity to really make a difference to people who probably you know if if there is that violence etc or, or um, level of aggression, it's often down to frustration, and we are there as a collective to be responsive and supportive and compassionate to people. So so we don't we don't see that we don't see it. So that is a definite myth buster that people need to to understand. And and it and it's a fascinating, privileged, wonderful place to to, to be to to as I say, make that difference to people's lives. And and I'd echo Dawn's point about student nurses. We've got a good connection to local universities for nurse training, mm. um, and we have a great a great cohort of student nurses that want to join us. Um, and we also have um, newly qualified um, staff nurse places as well. Um, we've just recently appointed a colleague who's really enjoying working with us and I know he's really happy to spread the word to other nurses to join us too and that obviously goes across the, the other professions that contribute to the multidisciplinary team but but in terms of the nursing cohort it's something that we're really working hard with colleagues to 
to, as I say, myth bust and understand that it is, isn't something to be fearful of, but something to be really embracing and be a really good opportunity for development themselves, actually. And I guess we'll talk a little bit more about what those opportunities look like a bit later. Yeah, definitely. And I do agree. And I know nationally there's work going on isn't there, around um, developing um, nursing placements in particular in prisons and helping people to understand, you know, what it's like to work in a prison and to encourage placements. But I yeah. agree. some questions actually from students, if you yeah. want. Brilliant. Yeah, so, so one of the questions is actually, I'm a student nurse and want to do a placement. How do I go about doing that? Mm. Um, someone said, talking about misconceptions about working in prison what are the biggest misconceptions that you've come across and another student has asked them what what's happening around suicide and self-injury because it's worrying um, and then somebody else has asked about what happens around dementia in prison so mm -hmm. how do you get a placement perhaps is a good place to start yeah who'd like to yeah. who'd like to start well we've got We've got links, as I said, just earlier to the universities and in terms of clinical placement facilitation. So, so, so a we have a lot of um, contact. We provide um, um, information sessions. We've got a lead nurse, um, Hannah Davis, who works um, as part of her role to to link with those universities and link with the clinical facilitators. Um, we've also got a range of mentors across a number of our sites. Um, so, so yeah, so that's happening. So if 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 the the nurse inquiring is in Staffordshire or around the Staffordshire area and wants to talk to any of us, then then please leave a, a contact um, link and I'll get back to you. So yes, we we absolutely do encourage student nurses and have some great mentors. I think the other just to add to that as well, I think if people um, are in different areas around the country, usually if you speak to your clinical placement coordinator, mm -hmm. they will usually have a link to either. Yeah. The organization that kind of delivers into your local prison um mm. or if you go on the prison website you would be able to find out which healthcare organization delivers into that prison so your yeah. clinical uh, coordinator would be able to support you with that placement in order to try and you know organize it i would say you do probably need to plan it a little bit in advance just because you do have to do some vetting Mm -hmm. uh, you know around uh, checks to get in so usually they can take a few weeks as well so it's just mm -hmm. worth having a chat to your tutors around you know trying to organize placements and just planning a little bit in advance yeah definitely and I think as well to add that we do link with universities so I do sometimes get requests from universities uh, things like um, students who are doing a reflective practice piece and helping universities understand the, the context or um people who are doing research um we have a research committee at practice plus group and certainly you know we often have people contacting us who uh, are wanting to work with us in a research capacity as well which obviously um we encourage so i think as has been said really you can get in touch with any of us on the call tonight if you're interested in in a placement in prisons we're happy to help and direct you depending on where you're based as well mm. i think I think the other things that are coming around, are, you guys have really raised the issue of vulnerability and that yeah. kind of trickiness. So how do you cope with someone who is both in prison and also vulnerable? So the questions were particularly around suicide, self-injury and managing dementia. Mm. I'd imagine are complicated. So if anyone wants to jump on that. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a very broad question um, um, because there are all sorts of vulnerabilities that we encounter uh, in, in prison settings, you know, um, I think if we think if you think about 
um, suicidality in, in prisons. We, we, we are very careful with our processes in terms of reviewing previous incidents and history of occurrences of you know, these, these tragic events where people lose members of their families. We, we, we have a very thorough reviewing process and the purposes you know, of this reviewing process, which, we, you know, the, which are conducted in partnership with commissioners, is really to establish what learning we can, we can gather from historical events. Um, we, what this has led to in London um, with PPG and partners is a redesign of our service. And this means that we're targeting um, times in the care pathway where people may be at their most vulnerable and adjusting the care that's available um, at those times. For example, you know, if we, if we look back at previous incidents over the last three years in our London prisons, we see a significant vulnerability in the first few weeks of, of being in custody, especially if you're new in custody. Yes, but, you know, um, and you know, if you're a certain age and if you've got a surprise long sentence, there are, there are multiple risk factors that will um, indicate that somebody might be, you know, representing a greater risk to themselves. Um, so we've, um, in, our, in our service redesign, we've put far more resources at the front door so that we have fantastic, um, we will have fantastic um, ability to collaborate and coordinate the sharing of information across uh, previous care providers into the prison setting and really create safe care plans for individuals. <laughs> the idea being that hopefully we will, you know, we will really prevent, uh, prevent more occurrences in the future uh, by having excellent sharing of information, uh, including previous treatment history, including the person's family context, their own history of risk. Um, so a really thorough risk assessment with information shared not only within the health um, health sector within the prison because you've got physical health mental health substance misuse but also with offender management um, and also um, prison um, colleagues as well and in that case you, you should have a the creation of a, a rounded formulation of a case uh, i think that's one thing that we're doing you know service redesign um, learning from incidents individually um, and also systemically um, and and really seeing the person as a whole I mean that's that's our assessment methodology is critical in this um, mm -hmm. you know what what are the circumstances this person's in beyond having a formal diagnosis um, you know what what is what is their life like at this point in time mm -hmm. and it, it's about retaining compassion retaining a whole view of the service user mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we, we're doing a lot around, um, you know, reducing the risk of, of uh, deaths in custody. Um, and um, yeah, I, th I think we're, we're making good headway with, with the changes that we're making to be, to be safer. Um, and, you know, it is a, it's a real tragedy. Every, every case where we have a loss is a, is a tragedy. Yeah, I think as well, um, on that point, it's... Um, links to an earlier point I was making about prison being a sort of less diagnostic from a mental health point of view because for me there's something about um, somebody in the community who's feeling low in mood would have lots of protective factors around them like friends family going to the pub exercise 
people come into prison and they don't have those factors. So it's understanding that the context of the risk relating to the environment that they find themselves in and looking at how we can support a person. And for me, that's how the whole system can support the person. So from healthcare staff, including, you know, primary care staff through to through to prison and taking that sort of whole systems approach to suicide prevention so that everybody is skilled in asking those questions. And the other thing for me is around clinical curiosity about asking those questions about a person's background and you know current position and, and like really understanding how that impacts on the person and you know we're doing work in practice plus which I'm leading on around suicide prevention and mm-hmm. looking at the training in particular looking at it um almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs like you know what's the sort of basic level training that everybody needs to have around suicide prevention so we're piloting training where um we're involving both the prison and the healthcare staff together so they can work collaboratively around suicide prevention um and then you know there's some more specialist training that the mental health practitioners do and also looking at um our peer support um systems as well and how we can help build awareness amongst people in prison so that if they're sharing a cell with somebody they can detect if somebody's distressed and have that conversation as well as having the the listening scheme in prison as well um which is um you know linked to the samaritans so i think yeah there's there's so much that we're doing and, and, and also for me um linking in with the wider the wider system because a lot of the suicide prevention work that's going on in the wider system traditionally hasn't involved prisons it's like prisons are a closed culture that are separate from the rest of the healthcare system and that's changing and it's been really good to work with some of our integrated care systems as well around the country and link into the work they're doing as well around suicide prevention another load of questions come in and we haven't finished yeah. the last lot <laughs> you guys up man one of the other questions we've got is is it true that if you get dementia in prison you get to go home is that true <laughs> no. <laughs> no. i love these questions i love yeah, the questions it's an interesting question go on jonathan did you want to come in i just wonder who was asking that yeah <laughs> along with mushtag hello another question mushtag how are the shift patterns in mental health and justice so people are coming at this very practically so yeah no, yeah i mean dementia in prisons is I'm sure that um, Jonathan and Susan want to come in as well. And I think as with the rest of society, obviously it's emerging as as an increasing issue, you know, in our older population. So um, as other healthcare sectors, everyone's kind of working out how how we can best adapt, you know, to look after people properly in prison. Um, I suppose my blanket response to the, do you get to go home if you've got dementia, then (laughs) it's probably no. but we've got, you know, people have a range of needs in prison and actually sometimes the routine of prison kind of perversely can can support people uh, with things like dementia because the routines are very precise, you know, um, it's it, it's the same process every day. So in, in some respects, um, you know, people with dementia can fare, you know, reasonably well, but, you know, there's a lot of work to do with it. And I think it is quite patchy across the country. Some places have got dementia friends and there's a lot of work around older people as well. So there's older people cafes and, you know, things being set up to support older people in prison. You know, the population is ageing in prison. So there's a lot of work underway. It's, mm. it's not consistent, I would say, across the country at, at present. So um, yeah. Jonathan and Susan want to add to that. 
Yeah, I, th I think I think you're right, Dawn, and it's 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 an area that obviously can also affect younger people in terms of alcohol-related um, dementia as well in terms of course costs. Mm. So it's it's an area that obviously we we are um, exploring at the moment in terms of our contract our um, contract mobilisation plan at the moment in terms of that integrated pathway. Um, but I think you know, not wanting to take us back, but in terms of you know the um, the vulnerability agenda which obviously relates to the people who may be suicidal as well as have dementia and other um, other um, concerns but you know that there's the, there's a lot of work we're doing at the moment around that connectivity to community services either as an in-reach arrangement so for, for services to come in and work with us um to to perhaps you know deliver um kind of talking lounges or community lounges which obviously can can support people, you know, either who have whatever diagnostic uh, condition, um, but also, you know, to, to ensure that people are connecting so that when people are behind a cell door, that they're not isolated. They know that they've got a community to 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 link with and they've got people to talk to, especially men, as we know, who may not be forthcoming in terms of talking about their feelings and um, and what's going on for them. So. So that's 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 something we're really working hard on at the moment. And again, that links to some of the community transformation work as well and the community led support programs and how we can replicate that within a prison custodial setting, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it's where it's most needed. So we need to make sure that those resources as much as we can um, are available to people in that setting. Mm. It kind of takes us back round to some of the things that are coming in. So somebody's I think their name is the, the wrong way around, but Rodriguez Abrotisi has said, oh. um, most people in prison are highly vulnerable to multiple factors. Part of our role is to assess and formulate risk, needs and risks in collaboration with patients and different agencies to identify areas of intervention. Risk assessment is dynamic and requires regular review. Using a trauma-informed approach helps us keep the person at the centre and keep them in context. And Michael Haslam has then also commented, trauma-informed and relational working is essential. Some amazing work going on, particularly around OPD pathway, promoting relational working and interpersonal effectiveness within CGS. If anyone wants to talk about that, maybe that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, well, we actually, our conference, um, we, we have um, our, our, our OPD, well, our pathways service uh, presenting um, at the conference that's coming up. Um, on you know, how to engage um, young people um, you know, from a, a diverse background um, in healthcare provision. Um, so it is, uh, it is. They do a particularly, you know, great piece of work. The uh, the, the pathway services and um, OPD uh, across prisons and in community. Um, and we, you know, we're lucky we we provide um, in collaboration with another trust um, into the Oxley's uh, partnership across London. Or um, OPD, so we're 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 really excited and very proud of the services. I mean, um, briefly say what OPD is because perhaps people yeah, it's it's a focused um, it's a focused commissioned um, piece of work um, targeting people who have um, significant psychological um, difficulties. Um, uh, this I'll talk specifically about the Aylesbury service because that's one I'm really familiar with. Um, so this is a pathway service in, in Aylesbury, and they have a, a targeted audience uh, of service users um, who um, um, have particularly complex needs, particularly high risk, um, both potentially to themselves or to, to other people. Um, and they have a fantastic uh, engagement approach 
which is uh, much more sort of social engagement. Um, it's an integrated service with the prison, so the prison actually have dedicated staff working alongside them in a dedicated space. Um, it's not residential within the prison. Um, it's a space that people go to, um, and then they engage socially um, initially. Um, obviously, risk assessed because you've got to be quite careful about, um, you know, um, different winds mixing and so on. Um, and then that leads people to, you know, create a trusted relationship, and that leads to them walking through the door for more therapeutic interventions and clinical care. So. Um, the community arm is a bit different, which is, you know, with, with um, people who haven't, um, you know, still on the criminal justice pathways. Um, it's working, hosted by probation, in partnership with probation, again, offering therapeutic uh, input and support. And they're doing some great innovative stuff across London. Um, and yeah, I think, I think um, I'm really pleased that, you know, we've got a slot in the conference to, for our clinical lead to present on the, on the model. Um, out in Aylesbury, so I think there's a, there's a fair bit to learn there, both as from a health perspective, mental health perspective, but also from a prison perspective about, particularly about partnership and how to create um, trusted working relationships in, you know, in, in the custodial setting. That sounds great. And um, shall I just say at this point a little bit about the conference for people who are listening so they know how they can get involved. So as Jonathan's mentioned, we're having um, a health injustice conference on February the 20th in London, which is on the theme of intersectionality, which we felt was really important to talk about just to emphasise all the different parts of a person's identity and then how we set that within a, a trauma informed context for people coming into prison. So the focus of the day is lots of um, speakers and workshops around different themes of intersectionality from gender, culture, um, neurodiversity, and then lots of examples of our good practice workshops across all our organisations who are involved. So I know I've had quite a lot of interest already on social media and for people who can't attend because it's limited capacity, but we're hoping to do a much bigger event next year, you can still join in by following the MH Injustice hashtag, which we're monitoring and feeding in to the conference on the day with any questions. And we will be live tweeting a lot of the discussions and conversations. And we've got an artist who's going to be doing some visuals for us as well. So there are lots of opportunities and there'll be also lots of MHTV interviews um, after the event as well with some of our speakers who are interested in, um, in being interviewed on here. So watch this space on here as well. If anyone wants to add anything, but I think that probably covers it. Yeah, great. Um, Nikki is- short time, so. Yeah. Yeah, we are actually. We're coming to the end already, aren't we? Um, so just, I guess, so that we we kind of cover things that we wanted to cover. I think maybe if we, I just go around the screen um, and just, if there's anything else that our guests want to pick up that we haven't covered, should we do that now? Um, Sue, I'll start with you at at, um, at this end. Okay, thank you. Um, I think I just wanted to reiterate, you know, the, the comments that have come through around trauma um that certainly for our for myself and colleagues that to address the trauma impact for people who are in receipt of our services is is probably one of our number one you know focus really um we've just um been very fortunate to recruit a, a psychology colleague who's um going to be leading our psychology agenda 
um, and that will be involving again a number of recruitment um, opportunities for for new psychologists to join us. Um, but 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 for me, it's how we really um, connect with that and ensuring that you know we um, you know protect people and keep people safe and take the opportunity whilst in custody to really address that trauma because often it's transgenerational. And again, that's one of our um, topics for, for the presentation at the conference is transgenerational trauma for young people, which would be a great, um, a great workshop. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I think, I think for me, it's, it's just really expressing the, um, the a- absolute, you know, um, importance of everything that we do around, um, around mental health from, you know, what, what we often class as primary mental health need to, you know, acute care. And we're very fortunate to have a, a range of you know, great colleagues that are very passionate and compassionate in terms of what we do and want to make that real difference. So it'd be great to have the opportunity to come together at the conference and share thoughts, ideas and presentations. So, yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Definitely. Thank you. Don, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Um, thank you, Ron. Well, I think from my perspective, and it's similar to Sue, is to emphasise the kind of whole system integrated approach and that that's hopefully what we'll demonstrate at the conference, which is if you kind of wrap the services around patients, that's that's definitely the way forward. And that's how patients are going to get the best from us as a, as a whole system. So um, I'm hoping that the conference is going to kind of demonstrate that and offer some real opportunities for learning and sharing. Yeah. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I second everything Dawn and Susan have said. I think I think the conference is going to be fantastic. Looking forward to future years of conferences as well as we as we come together, you know, as a, a community of providers to really share our experiences and and you know sh- show off our innovations. Um, you know, let's let's continue to create an optimistic and hopeful tone for the services that happen in prisons. Um, I think um, it's great that we have this theme of trauma-informed care, and I think I think it focuses on the two most important factors, um, um, you know, around mental health care in prisons, which is one, keeping a focus on the service user as a whole, and two, you know, looking after the well-being of our of our colleagues and employees um, who work uh, on the front line. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, if you're curious, come and see us. Come and visit us. Reach out. We we've got lots of exciting new posts and uh, um, please please do get in touch yeah that's great thank you and Nikki anything to add any final questions or anything no no I'm busy tweeting away <laughs> but it's been really interesting thank you I've enjoyed yeah. it yeah no um, I'll just end then really by saying it's been um brilliant discussion tonight I think we could have talked for much longer and um and I think you know in the weeks ahead obviously we're going to have more health injustice themed conversations which is really exciting I think to get it on the agenda publicly and I think as we've kind of demonstrated tonight it's a really exciting place to work and there's loads of opportunities not only for our students coming in um, at the beginning of the careers, but also development opportunities for people who are, you know, further on in the career and want to specialise in health and justice. So, um, you know, join us in the weeks ahead. Next week, we've got um, neurodiversity in health and justice. So that's going to be a great topic. And um, as with all our MHTVs, everyone's welcome to join the conversation. Um, we've got the conference, as I say, on February the 20th, which is um, MH Injustice hashtag for you to follow 
along with that. And um, and I think that's it. I'll just say good night and thank you, everyone. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Thank you.